I love, I love hearing those stories, and I love seeing how, how God is at work in those three different lives. And uh, what's so cool is uh, this morning after the 9 o'clock service, I had a couple that came up to me and they said, you know, if you were to shoot that video again, we'd be the fourth people sitting on the couch because we now come to this church because of Sean. Uh, Sean leads a 312 Chicago. It's a CrossFit workout place where they lift really, really, really heavy things. Um, I don't work out there. And, uh, and they work out with Sean. And Sean's now invited them uh, to be a part of what God is doing in this church. And, and it's so beautiful to see how, how our stories are, are impacted and influenced by one another being faithful to God. And, and over the next few moments, my prayer is that uh, we're going to look into God's word together. We're going to look into his word and see what he has to say for us, what his vision for us uh, as a church needs to look like, and how our relationships with one another really are the foundation uh, through Jesus of what the church is supposed to be. And so I would love for us to start by praying together, and then we'll dive in. So we pray with me. Father, we love you so much, and we're so grateful that we don't have to invite your presence. We are already in your presence, and we acknowledge your goodness and your holiness, and we acknowledge that you are uh, the teacher here. You are uh, the author and the perfecter of our faith, and so we are asking, uh, God, that you would move. We are asking that uh, you would prompt and challenge and inspire us to be the people that you created us to be. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, uh, before I dive in, I, I did want to give a quick little word before we jump into the, the message portion of this. If you were here last week, uh, there was a part of, of the message where Jarrett and I were teaching, and he referenced this sound that people make in churches. And he referred to it as the Christian cow. I don't know if you remember this, uh, this sound that they make where they go, mmm, right? Now, he referenced this, and uh, I, I feel like it's important for me to, to make something clear. I'm a big fan, okay? I'm a big fan of the Christian cow. I, I'm an active listener, and so I regularly, when I'm talking with people, I'm nodding my head. I'm saying, mm-hmm, yeah, uh-huh. You know, and I, and I engage. In, and not only do I do this, I've started to realize my four-year-old daughter does the same thing. And, um, and it's hilarious because uh, this Friday we were driving to school, and we were on our way, and uh, I always say, you know, okay, who would like to pray for our day before we get to school? And and Gigi's like, okay, I'll pray, I'll pray, you know. And she says, everybody bow your head and close your eyes. And it's me and Elijah and her. And so, you know, she, she's asking the car to, to bow their heads and close their eyes. I'm like, honey, I'm driving, so I can't do that. So, so she's like, Elijah. He's like, you know, like rolls his eyes at his sister. And she's like, dear God. Mm. <laughs> I mean, she's not even into the prayer and she's already doing it. Dear God, thank you for Elijah. Help him to have a great day at school today. Help us, God, to not take anybody's toys, to be kind to one another. God, please help Mr. Chris's foot feel better. We pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. And so she's, she's totally into the, the sound to the Christian cow. So I just wanted to let you all know it's welcome here. I'm a big fan of it. I'm also a big fan of amens, if you'd like to give those. I'm a fan of help her Jesus, if that is necessary. Um, anything and everything. It's, it's welcome in this space. So I just wanted to start out the message by uh, just giving a little bit of some context. So well, I want to I begin, actually, by sharing a story. Um, I'll never forget, uh, back when I was in college, uh, it's when I first started to get this sense that the Lord was um, inviting me into uh, a path of vocational ministry. I didn't, I didn't know what that looked like. I wasn't sure how that was going to play out in my life, but I started to get this sense that uh, God was, was leading me down a path where my life would would be doing what I'm doing right now, uh, that I would be in vocational ministry. And I remember uh, signing up for this class, and essentially the class was learning how to study the Bible. It was essentially learning how to, to read the Bible, study the Bible, interpret the Bible. And so I had signed up for this class, and I remember walking in to the very first day of class. And the professor comes in, and we're all sitting there in the classroom, and, you know, he comes and he sits and puts his, you know, his briefcase down and looks up at his sea of new students, and he says, students, I want to teach you a very important difference today. I want to teach you the difference between two words that are very important when it comes to understanding God's word and how to interpret God's word. And so he begins by saying, the first word that I want to teach you today is the word exegesis, exegesis. And, and, and I, I'm listening to him, I'm going, exegesis. And he says, the second word I want to teach you is eisegesis. Now, this is my first time in a class like this. I'm literally going, Ex, there's an exegesis and there's, there's an eisegesis. Like, I, I'm not getting it, okay? I am not tracking with the professor. And he says, I want to I teach you about these two words. And he's, he goes on to say, he goes, exegesis is essentially taking God's word and laying it over my life. So, so essentially, it, it's taking God's word and, and laying it over my life. It's basically getting a critical interpretation of the Bible, okay? What does the Bible objectively mean? And the word exegesis actually comes from a Greek word, and, and the Greek word literally is translated to draw out, okay? So, so that's what this word is. And so it's, it's opening God's word, and it's saying, God, what are you trying to say to us through your word? Eisegesis, he, he goes on to explain, eisegesis is the exact opposite of exegesis, Eisegesis is taking my life and laying it over God's word. It's taking my life and laying it over God's word. It's sort of looking for almost like a subjective meaning in the text, right? And we all sort of have our, our desires and our wants. We sort of have our sense as to how we want life to go. And, and so at times we can sort of be like, well, I really want to do this thing or I really want to make this decision, so I really got to find a verse to support it, right? Right? And so we sort of open up God's word and we're like, come on, God, you got to give me one. I want to date this guy. Where's the verse, you know, or, or I want to live in this place or I want to go to this thing or, you know, and so we start to look at God's word to work for us, right? And so this is the difference between exegesis and eisegesis. I, I had actually heard this story once um, of this bride 
and, uh, and she was getting ready for her wedding, and she was planning it, and she was, she was really, really nervous, and she, you know, all the details, and pulling everything together, and the event, and, and making all the invitations, and that kind of thing, and, and she was just getting so much for her, and so she decided, okay, I, I've got this verse that's always been a favorite verse of mine, and so I'm going to call my caterer, and I'm going to see if my caterer can sort of like take some icing and, and, and write it on the bottom of my wedding cake. Um, you know, at, at the very bottom layer. And so she calls, the, she calls the caterer and says, you know, I've got this favorite verse. It's 1 John 4.18 that says, There is no fear in love, for perfect love casts out fear. It's a beautiful, beautiful verse. And she's like, you know, this is going to help me not have any fear. It's going to help me not have any anxiety. And would you put this on the bottom of my cake, you know? And so when I come in to the reception, I'm going to see it. And it's just, it's just going to be such a, a good moment of peace for me. Well, about a week before the wedding, the caterer calls her up and says, hey, we just wanted to confirm that, yes, you wanted us to, you know, take some icing and, and to write this on your cake. Um, and she's like, yeah, I'm so excited for you to write it. It's going to be such a great, great thing for me to walk into the wedding and to see that. And it's just such an important verse. And, and they said, well, are you sure that's the verse that, you know, 1 John four eighteen? And she's like, yeah, that's the verse. That's the one that I want. Well, the wedding day came. And everything was beautiful, and it was a great day. And uh, she goes walking into the reception. And when she walked up to the cake, she's thinking, oh, I can't wait to see this. You know, this is going to be such a good moment to see my favorite first. And she goes walking up to the cake, and they had inscribed John 4.18. Well, John 4.18 says, For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. It's very important to get the verse accurate. Um, and so uh, exegesis is, is much more crucial than uh, eisegesis. Uh, and, uh, you know, our hope here at Soul City, our hope here at Soul City is that we always look at God's word. We always look at God's word from, from an exegetical perspective to look at it and to say, God, what are you trying to say to us? What, what are you trying to say to us, to this church, your church? How do we need to interpret this passage according to how you are moving in our day, God? So in light of that, uh, we've actually been in a book of the Bible over the last couple of weeks, the book of Acts. In fact, if you want to grab your Bible, in a moment we're going to turn to Acts 4. Uh, and if you want to, uh, to get ready for that, uh, it's actually it's found on page 761. Um, but we've been looking... At God's word, and we've been looking at uh, the story of the first church, and essentially, we are trying to to read read the story of the first church and listen to what happened, and in light of what happened, align our lives as a church according to what happened in that first church. And, and you know, as I've been reading and studying, I have found myself wondering um, when when I've been quiet and and prayerful and and in thinking about our church, I have honestly, I have found myself wondering if we were to just start with this book, if we were to just crack open the book of Acts and we were to sort of put aside our upbringing and we were to, you know, put aside our culture, if we were to put aside our, our American way of living, what would this book, what would this book cause us to do? If we were to essentially, as I just was teaching, if we were to live 
exegetically, right? To draw out from God's word what he's saying to us. And if we were to look at the story of that first church and use that as the blueprint, are we that kind of church? Are we that kind of church? Do we look like that same church in the book of Acts? So to give a, a little bit of a refresher from the last two weeks, if you, if you haven't been with us, uh, just to, to give some understanding leading into Acts 4 that we're going to look at here in a moment, uh, Jesus is crucified, uh, and there's this contradiction of emotions going on in Jerusalem, right? Because there, there's a whole group of people that are now rejoicing because in their minds, this annoying teacher that you know, was claiming to be the son of God is dead. And, and, and they're happy. They're, they're glad because they no longer have to deal with um, this, this self-proclaimed Messiah. And then there's also deep sorrow because the followers and the disciples of Jesus, um, they're experiencing the loss of their Savior. Well, we, we know how the story shifts and changes, right? Jesus, through the power of God, is, is resurrected three days later. There's this utter astonishment. And, and Jesus then chooses to, to stay with the believers, and he begins to prepare them that he is going to yet again leave, but this time he will send what's called the Holy Spirit. And, and Jesus says to them, through the Holy Spirit, you will actually do greater things than I. And this will happen through the establishment of the church. And Jesus begins to teach them and prepare them and, and, and get them ready for what is about to happen as the gospel message begins to spread all throughout the world. Well, this does in fact happen. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we read about the day of Pentecost, right? We read about uh, this day where the Holy Spirit was delivered onto the people and into the people, and, and how Peter had given this first message of the church, and literally thousands of people, they gave their lives to Jesus, and, and they were baptized in that moment. And, and then we, we looked at Acts uh, chapter 2, and we looked at how this, this church was, was essentially born, how this church was, was planted. And, and what was so amazing was from the very beginning, there was this spirit of compassion and empathy. And it was so compelling to the world that, that people literally from all over came to join in their efforts. And the Holy Spirit continued to provide for this church. And, and as we talked about last week, there were people on God's side all throughout the city to extend the work of this church. And it's an amazing story when you think about it. It's, it's amazing to see how the first church really began. And as I said, if I were to just look at this story, and if we were to just look at the pages of Scripture, the thing that, that saddens me is when I look at the church at large, I feel like I don't always see the same thing. I feel like um, oftentimes... What ends up happening is this church has gotten deduced down to something that was never intended in God's heart. You, you, you can look all throughout the book of Acts, and, and there's nowhere throughout this book where, where the church was just sort of this thing that people go to, and they attend it for one hour, one day a week. You, you don't get that when you read the book of Acts. But when I look at this book, I, I see a community of believers that, that literally said, we are going to live a different kind of life. 
When you look at the church in America, you see a, a, a great amount of independence, don't you? And yet in this book, you see a dependence. You see this sense of dependence on God and dependence on one another. There was a oneness about this first church. And yet when we look at the, the sort of broad strokes of the church in America, oftentimes we don't get the same picture, do we? You know, it's amazing. Um, every single year, 7,000 churches, 7,000 churches decide, you know what, it's not working anymore, no one's coming, I think we better put the for sale sign up. And they close their doors. 7,000 churches close every single year. Statistics show that 83% of people in America don't participate in a church community. 80% of churches in North America have sort of reached a plateau and have just sort of said, you know, it sort of is what it is. We're okay just sort of being this, you know, sort of club and this group and sort of this people that get together and just like each other, and we're okay. We're okay with that. They're okay that, that no one's coming and no one's growing. And I often wonder if it's because for many, church has sort of become just this one hour a week on one day. We've sort of made church down into this thing that I go to on Sunday. We even, uh, and I, I'm guilty of doing this, we even refer to church as an it, don't we? Instead of a who. I've done it myself. We say phrases like, what church do you attend? When Jesus never intended the church to be something that we attend. That's not, that wasn't the picture. That's not what he died for. A thing that we could go and attend. You see, the church is not a what, friends. The church is a who. The church is not a what. The church is a who. And the church is a community of people that are living in the ways of Jesus, not just for an hour on Sunday, but all throughout their lives. The church is a who, and the who is you. The who is you. The who is me. And we see this all throughout this book of Acts, particularly in the book of Acts. We see a who that lives out, as we were just talking, exegetically what Jesus envisioned his church to be. In fact, I want us to turn to Acts 4. Uh, it's, as I said, found on page 761. And we're going to start at verse 31 and, and look at how God was at work in this first church. It says this, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Let me just stop there for a second. Clearly, clearly this first church, they didn't have to hope that God's presence would be there. They began in God's presence. It said they began in prayer. Prayer was, was this cornerstone of their community. They knew that they were always in God's presence and they were filled with the Spirit and they spoke God's word with confidence and humility. Can you imagine, can you imagine if we, we just lived like that? If we lived sharing God's word with humility and confidence? Oftentimes, most of the world, the only thing that they receive from us is an eisegesis perspective on Scripture. We find verses to sort of prove our points, to tell culture how bad it is, don't we? 
And that's what the world tastes of, of this church. But that's not at all what this first church looked like. It, it goes on to say that all the believers were, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. I mean, there's just such a, a selfless love here, isn't there? There's a, there's a unity. It's evident. Do you know that some people will say that um, they believe that the greatest hour of segregation that happens in our country is on Sunday mornings? That that's where the most amount of evident segregation is at place. But that's, that's not what I read in this book. It's not what you read in this verse. The passage goes on to say, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them. All that were there, there was not a needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. They, bought, they brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. I mean, there's just a, there's just a spirit and, a, a, and an overarching theme at work in this first church. And it's the same theme that you can read all throughout the scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, uh, consistently, the people of God have always been about two things, loving God and loving people. Loving God and loving people's, people, and that is the central thrust of the life of Jesus. It wasn't about a day. It wasn't about a time. It wasn't about checking a box and, you know, I got to go to church. I had a really bad week. Hopefully it's going to sort of amend what happened this week. It was about being the church. It, it's like what happened yesterday around here. A whole bunch of people whole bunch of families, a whole bunch of people throughout this church decided, you know what, we as a church, we, we have been given so much and it's an opportunity for us to, to bless and to share and to, to give to others in a, in a, in a way of, of dignity and care and love to work with people that we're already partnered with. And so yesterday, a, a whole bunch of people throughout this church on a Saturday got together and, and you know, they, they packed a thousand baskets for Thanksgiving. A thousand baskets of food were packed for our partners at Breakthrough Urban Ministries, By the Hand Club, Lawndale Christian Community Church. A thousand baskets. You think about that. That's like a fish and loaves kind of thing, right? I mean, you think about a thousand baskets, there's probably 5,000 people that are going to be able to sit around a table and experience the joy of a meal together. That's, that's what the church looks like, right? Uh, in fact, I, we brought along a video. We'd love for you to take a look at this. Now 
that because it's the church deciding we're not going to be a what, we're going to be a who. We're going to be a community of people that are choosing to live out seven days of the week instead of just one, the teachings and the ways of Jesus. And, you know, it's amazing for me to to look around this church, to look around uh, this body of believers and to see how God is at work, how people are choosing to be the who, not the rock band, but to, to, they're choosing to be the who of the church. I think about Jess Hiltner. Um, she's part of our church. One of the things I love about Jess is I feel like every time I, I look at her Twitter feed or I look at what she's doing on Facebook, um, she's volunteering somewhere. She's, she's giving her time somewhere around this city. And, and, and she literally builds her, her work and her schedule around her different ways and, and places that she serves all throughout this city. And, and not just that, she's passionate about making sure that people feel connected to one another. She's always having like impromptu uh, little potluck dinners or this summer she's inviting people to movies in the park. She's, she's being the church. Jess is the church. I think about uh, Andy Billhorn. I don't know if you know Andy. Most likely he probably found you a seat here at a service at some point. Um, Andy is passionate. He's passionate about development and growth. He serves all over this church and all throughout the city. He's a coach to small group leaders. He's always building relationships and then connecting those people to one another. He's passionate about meeting the needs of his friends. Andy, Andy's the church, isn't he? I think about Chrissy Jonasaint. Um, Chrissy, she's just, she is a beam of light. Um, there she is. Um, she's, just, she's just this amazing beam of love and light. She works at By the Hand Club. She's passionate about kids. She's a coach to uh, the small group leaders up in Soul City Kids. Uh, I don't think I've ever been able to walk past Chrissy without her coming and giving me a hug. Um, she's just She's joy to the nth degree. Chrissy is the church. Chrissy's the church. I think about Mark and, and Kelly Woodsum. 
also Kelly works at By the Hand. And they're just this incredible couple, and just their lives are, are marked by generosity. And this past year, uh, one of Kelly's students at By the Hand, uh, her mom got into some trouble and was going to be taken out of the home for a little while, and Kelly and Mark just decided, well, we don't want to see her go into the system. We don't want to see her just, you know, become this lost foster child, and so what do we need to do? And they figured out how to become foster parents, and within a few, you know, moments, this girl then moved into their home. I mean, Mark and Kelly, that's the church, isn't it? That's the church. I think about Brittany Renwick. Brittany is a part of my small group. I'm pretty sure if she finds, she sees this picture, she's going to be mad at me. But Facebook, they only give you so many options. So this, this was the option that, I, that we had. Um, Brittany's, uh, Brittany's in my small group, and uh, we were talking earlier this year, and we were just chatting about what God was doing in our life. And Brittany's a teacher, and um, she was teaching, and we were just talking about some things that were going on in her life. And she said, Jeannie, I don't know what it is. Every time I'm at Brown, I get this sense that I'm supposed to be there longer. I'm supposed to be more involved in the lives of these kids. And so she got connected with Kenya Sadler, the principal over there. And uh, this last week was Brittany's first week as a teacher at Brown Elementary. She's loving on those kids all week long. I think about my friend Ashley Cross. Ashley's an unbelievable woman. She's the chief of staff for the Department of Juvenile Justice for the state of Illinois. That's a big job, friends. It means she's super smart. (laughs) And Ashley, she, she works with some of the most marginalized and most forgotten kids in this state, and she makes sure that they're not forgotten. Not only that, she leads all of the efforts around here of our local partnerships, She makes sure that when we serve, that there is dignity connected to our service. Ashley is just this amazing woman. And if you were to meet her, she just has unbelievable humility and grace about her. Ashley, Ashley's the church, isn't she? I mean, you just think about how God is at work. I think about Melissa Gear. She's this amazing woman and wife and mom and she lives with her family uh, over in Lawndale, uh, and, and she's in school right now studying community development. In fact, Melissa is the one that led all of the volunteer efforts yesterday for our gratitude weekend. Um, and, and she's just this incredible woman. And every time I talk to Melissa, and, and she does it so humbly, she always is telling me about another person that was just over for dinner in their home, another person that you know, is in a situation where they need a place to stay, And so their family invited them in to stay. Melissa's the church, isn't she? Think about Jess Paderick. Jess and her husband, Andrew, are just, they're incredible. Um, And Jess, she she co-leads the Artist's Way small group around here. She's one of those people that just says, artists cannot be forgotten or lost in the church. And she leads this beautiful small group of artists, and she's passionate about helping them develop their skills and become more of who God created them to be and to, to leverage their gifts for the building of the church. And, and she volunteers over at Breakthrough. In fact, just this couple weeks ago, she taught a baking class to the kids so they could learn how to bake. Jess, Jess is the church, isn't she? I think about Amanda Bratschke. Amanda and her, her husband, Don, um, they, Amanda works at Lawndale Christian Health Center. Uh, 
Essentially, they offer uh, quality health care to people in the neighborhood who, who can't afford insurance. And, and Amanda and her husband, Don, they actually moved into Lawndale with their cute little two-year-old daughter. They've got another one on the way. They've been involved over a breakthrough for years, uh, sort of making sure that monthly dinners happen at the men's center. And, and they've now stepped up around here to, to lead all of our volunteer efforts at Breakthrough. Amanda and Don, they're the church, aren't they? Think about Adam Serafin. Those of you that know Adam Serafin. I've never seen Adam not smiling. There's just, there's a joy about him. The other thing about Adam is I've never seen him alone. He's just this magnetic force that draws people into community. He is passionate about people experiencing Jesus through community. He, he's, he's like determined for people to never feel left out or alone. Adam's the church. Adam's the church, isn't he? Think about David Spearman. He, he leads worship here sometimes. Uh, David is committed to the homeless in our city. He's actually in school right now, and he's studying for a master's in public policy where he is focusing on economics and public finance and, and poverty and inequality policy, and, and his, his prayer and his hope is that he would direct all of those efforts to making sure that the most marginalized and forgotten in our world are not forgotten in our world. David, David is redirecting his entire life. I mean, David, David is the church, isn't he? I think about Bob and Angie Wesley. They're an incredible, incredible couple. Bob, he works for this nonprofit organization called Sat7, and it's a, it's a broadcasting organization, it's, and they do Christian programming via satellite transmission all throughout the Middle East. My hunch is if you've been watching the news, um, as I have, you can see all of the pain and the destruction that's happening right now. Do you know what's amazing? This organization that Bob works for, they, they, they make sure all throughout Turkey and Israel and Egypt and Cyprus, over 15 million people have the message of Jesus available to them. And his wife, Angie, equally incredible. Angie leads a, an amazing nonprofit here in the city called Karis. Uh, we've been able to partner with them on a few different things. And, and in a world where there's this constant debate, right? We just got done with election season. And one of the, the consistent debates is, you know, pro-choice or pro-life, right? Angie has chosen to say, I'm going to stand right in the middle of that. And our message is going to be pro-grace. We're going to be pro-grace. We're going to be about the story and the life and the love of Jesus. And it's just a beautiful organization that care for both the mother and the child. And this, this is our church, isn't it? This is our church. A collection of who's choosing to be the church to one another and to their neighbors and to the city and to our world on seven days of the week instead of just one. And as our church grows, and I don't know if you've noticed this, it's actually growing. It's growing quite a bit. Um, last weekend, we celebrated our two-year anniversary. And over the three services and all of the kids upstairs, there were 878 people here. Um, that's awesome.
And we had an incredible moment of, of worshiping God and, and being together as a community. But our prayer always, and we taught about this a couple weeks ago, is that those moments lead to movements in our lives. That we don't just come here and this is when we're the church, but that we're the church all throughout our lives. And my prayer is, is not, friends, that we just grow bigger as a church. I would never want us to, to just grow bigger with a group of people that didn't really care about each other on the other six days of the week. That would be terrible, wouldn't it? I mean, who would ever want to be a part of something like that? That you just come and you check the box and you sit in your seat and you walk in and you walk out and it has no influence or impact on the rest of your life. My prayer is that we grow more biblical. And I don't mean like we've got thousands of verses that we've memorized. I mean that when people look at Soul City Church, they go, there's something different about that church. There's something different about those people. It's as if what they read in the scriptures and the story that they heard about that first church, it's as if they are trying to live in the ways and the teachings of God. And they are saying, God, have your way in us. That's my prayer for our church. And I believe that as we grow like that, look out, there, we'll need to knock down more walls. We'll need to get more seats because that's what people are hungry for, aren't they? My hunch is that's what you're hungry for. You probably didn't just come here tonight to check a box in your life. My hunch is you came here because you want to be the church. You want to live out the teachings of Jesus. You want it to, to impact every part of your life. You don't want to live some sort of guilt and shame management kind of existence. Friends, we were called to be the church. We were called to, to be a who, not a what. And I know it sort of sounds like I'm a, a Dr. Seuss kind of book here tonight, but we were called to be the who's of the church. That's what God intended us to be a kind of who that loves one another, a kind of who that edifies one another, a kind of who that, that offers fellowship and humility towards one another, a kind of who that's hospitable and doesn't slander one another, a kind of who that says, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive even when it's hard. A kind of who that is going to encourage and spur one another on, a kind of who that admonishes one another, a kind of who that submits to one another, a kind of who that is compassionate with one another, a kind of who that says, I'm going to pray for you, a kind of who that says, let's be like-minded, let's not show any partiality, let's edify one another, let's make sure that we can minister to one another and pull out one another's spiritual gifts, let's be that kind of who in this world, let's be that kind of one another in this world, and that is the kind of church the Soul City Church is committed to being. You know, when God called us to, to plant this church, and when I tried to get out of it for like a whole year, I knew that God was not asking us to come and to, to plant a church, to just sort of be this stable little force in the city, People come in and on Sunday, walk out on Sunday afternoon, and that's that. God called us to be the church, to be the church. And when a church is truly the church, 
The world has changed, isn't it? I mean, that's what Jesus died for, isn't it? That's what he died for, was for you and for me to be the church. So we're going to spend a few moments worshiping God and, and just reflecting and listening to him. I'm going to invite the, the band to come back up, but I'm going to ask us to, to take a few moments and to reflect and to, to just listen to God. We live in such a, a noisy and a full world, and, and there's always something coming at us. So we want to just give you a moment to just be still and to be quiet and to, to reflect, to listen to God's voice. And so I just want to invite you to put any distractions away. Maybe put your Bible down. Just close your eyes. And I want to invite you to pray that prayer. And it's a simple prayer, but it has amazing ramifications in our lives. God, how are you calling me? How are you calling me to be the church? What kind of who have you created me to be? In the book of Romans, Scripture speaks about us being devoted to one another. Who might be somebody that you need to just share your devotion to them? You need to sort of grab them by the shoulders and look them in the eyes and say, I'm, I'm devoted to you. I am committed to you and to your growth and to what God's doing in your life. I'm for you. First Peter, this first church, it says that they lived in harmony with one another. There was just a, a harmony. I'm a hunch if you're anything like me, there's probably some people in your world where there's not a lot of harmony. There's maybe a lack of forgiveness. Where might God be calling you to go and to extend forgiveness or to receive Forgiveness, so that harmony can be reunited. In that first church, in the book of Ephesians, it says that they were kind and compassionate to one another. Who needs to experience the kindness of God from you this week? Who in your life do you need to just extend love and grace to and kindness that first church says in the book of Colossians that they admonished one another. Admonish means that they reminded one another of who God really created them to be. My hunch is there's, there's probably someone in your world, someone in your life, you need to go and you need to have a, a face-to-face conversation with them and just say, I want to remind you how amazing you are. I want to remind you of the gifts that God has given to you. I want to remind you that he's created you for something great. I want to remind you he hasn't forgotten you. Maybe you need to admonish someone this week. In 1 Peter, that first church, it says that they, they offered hospitality to one another. You know, it's, it's Thanksgiving this week. And there may be somebody that you know 
maybe doesn't have a table to sit around. Maybe you need to invite them to your table to offer hospitality. God, we want to be this kind of church. We don't want to pretend. We don't want to have an experience on Sundays that doesn't reflect the rest of our lives. God, we want to be this kind of church. We want to not just be a what. We want to be the who that you died for, that you gave your life for. And God, we pray that as as we become these people, as we live out what you intended your church to be, God, we pray that the world would notice. We pray that they would know us, as the scriptures say, by our love, by our love for them. God, help us to, to live this kind of oneness, this kind of one another way of living. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that we can come here and and sing to you and glorify you and, and bless you and bring praise to your name, God. But we pray that it would extend all throughout our, our lives. We pray that these moments would lead to movement. We love you. We are so grateful for what you are doing. God, help us to be the who that you created us to be. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to spend a few moments worshiping God, blessing him and singing to him. I encourage you to sing with all of your heart. And uh, one of the things that we're going to do, something that we do here on a regular basis, is um, we receive an offering. Um, It's a way for us to to just say thank you to God uh, for the things that he's given to us to to bless him and to say, God, I, I want to participate in how you're at work in this church. And so we're going to do that, and then we're going to worship together.